The Pittsburgh Steelers have a new offensive line coach in Pat Meyer. He's not Mike Munchak, so everyone's upset about that. But we're going to talk about who Pat Meyer is and how he might play into the Steelers' run schemes under Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin for Najee Harris. All that and more, a lot more right here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel to get all of our daily content for free coming right to your YouTube page. We also thank you for making us your first podcast. Listen every day. If you want to help out the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review with a positive comment. That stuff really helps us out. And if you do that, you get a shout out at the end of the show. So, as I said, we're talking offensive line coaches. Yay! But it's not Mike Munchak. Boo! Which was basically how Steeler Nation reacted to this, this announcement. I, I tweeted as much, uh, you know, when I saw the just how it was playing out. You know, and it's so funny because, and we'll get to this more in the second segment, uh, but, but uh, talking about how, you know, the Steelers need to make an external hire they make an external hire, and now everyone's still mad because it's just not the, the the offensive line coach that they wanted. We'll get into that in a bit. But who is Pat Meyer? That's what we. That's what I want to lead this show with because I think that's the most important thing. We can talk about all the nonsense and narratives, you know, later. Let's hammer out who this guy is. So Pat Meyer, of course, coming over from the Carolina Panthers, he had been their their offensive line coach for the last two years. He was the run game coordinator and offensive line coach for the Chargers for three years before that. Now, Meyer comes comes into this. He's 49 years old. So, you know, right in that good coaching age, he's got he's still got like another decade, at least in the NFL, if, if, he, if he wanted to. Um, you know, he's been around the NFL for years. He's been coaching in the NFL since 2013, had, had, had stuff in college. So that's good. So what you're probably ask, asking is, OK, but where did his run games rank? Where did his offenses rank? Well, everyone who probably just did a quick Google saw that well, the Carolina Panthers had one of the worst offenses in the NFL and their run game was not a big, not a big factor. Well, here's my thing about that. Christian McCaffrey had played 10 games the last two years. He was a huge reason. Why you anyone would take that job in Carolina and say, hey, all you got to do is scheme up for that guy to get fast and get past blocks. That sounds like a good job. And then he never, he never, he wasn't healthy. He played, again, he played 10 games in two seasons. I think that's going to limit what Pat, what Pat Meyer is going to be able to do when it comes to an offensive line coach. Cause you can coach offensive lines and that's fine. But if your run game isn't working, that's going to reflect upon you um, just as much as that. And then also, you got to think about who are his offensive linemen. You know, he hasn't had, I guess, a stalwart group to work with yet. And he in 2018 under the Chargers, I think that was his best season. Uh, I believe the Chargers ranked 15th that year when it came to uh, when it came to, to rushing yards. And I think that was the they grabbed Mike Pouncey out of free agency. And I think they had Russell Okung that year. So that was like the only time he really had like some studs on, on the line. And you saw some production out of that. But the question comes is 
how is he going to integrate with the Steelers? Because we could put all that stuff behind behind everybody. You know, you know, so you know, some guys come in and like you know, Terrell Austin. He was he had a terrible uh, one year. Well, you know, he had bad numbers his one year with the with the Bengals as defensive coordinator. But he came to Pittsburgh, and since then, their cornerbacks and their safeties have have you know have have definitely improved their play. I don't want to characterize an entire coach's ability to, to coach based off of just one tenure. So I, I want to look at scheme. I want to look at what he, what, what, what kind of plays has he been able to draw up and what kind of styles of runs he's able to drop. Cause let's, let's make one thing clear as much as protecting the quarterback is very important to all of this. The number one asset on the Steelers offense right now is Najee Harris, which is why they went and got him. Cause they knew that, Hey, quarterback's going to be a big question mark. The best way to kind of negate that or kind of mitigate that situation is having a star running back back there, and that's who you want Najee Harris to be. So a lot of this is going to – a lot of what I think Pat Meyer's biggest challenges are is going to be designing the run game. Now, I want to look at uh, zone and gap fits when, you know, comparing, like, you know, how often each was called in, you know, both where Pat Meyer was coaching and where the Steelers have coached. Now, for those who don't know, you know, the difference between a zone or a gap run, it means a zone is where the offensive linemen are blocking specifically to different zones and parts of the offensive line. And the running back is given more freedom to kind of choose which hole is the best place to attack, which can stress the defense out a little bit because it's like, OK, it's not obvious where these where, where the running backs trying to go. And a lot of times really good running backs, really talented running backs with good vision, they can pick a pick you apart, find the right hole and 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 take the take the ball somewhere where you didn't expect it. Whereas a gap run is where a run is typically designed to go to a specific hole where everyone's kind of blocking with the same objective. We're going over here. We're taking it. But it can be a little bit more obvious where you're trying to take the football. So that's the difference there now. What's interesting about this, and this is what I found that I thought was was really was really cool was. You look at the Steelers and how they've called run plays for the past, let's say, five years. 2021 under Matt Canada was a huge divergence from how the Steelers have operated. In, in 2021, they ran 61.5 of their designed run planes were, were, were zoned. Now, all by the way, all these stats are for all these percentages are numbers that I got from Pro Football Focus. I'm looking through that again. For those out there, I, I use Pro Football Focus because they have great statistics and tracking of advanced, of advanced stats. But when it comes to their grades, I do not agree with them. Heck, they just came out with a list and said that T.J. Watt was the third best edge rusher in the NFL, let alone defensive player. So, I mean, grades, I, I ain't with them. But – this kind of stuff, I think they're very useful because they let you ch they chart a lot of things that can help you kind of look at things from a bigger picture. But like I said, in 2021, the Steelers ran zone runs 61.5% of the time compared to 38.5% of gap runs. Well, you compare that to the rest of the year, every other year, going back to past before seasons before la this past year, the, the Steelers ran more gap than zone and even a bit flipping it. In 2020, uh, because we all know uh, Randy Feetner from 2018 to, tw to 2020, uh, with you know be being the offensive coordinator, um, he in 2020 in 2018 it was like almost a complete flip. It was 62.2 percent gap runs to 37.8. But every year it was more. It's been more gap, and you'd have to go back to I think 2015 to be the, the last year the Steelers ran more zone runs versus gap runs. Now, what does this mean for Najee Harris? It means that. Maybe that maybe Matt Canada is saying, hey, we're going to run. We're going to do these zone runs. We're going to try to work with this and see what we can get for Najee Harris um, and, and try to get him more opportunities. 
we I need a, an offensive line coach who can coach our guys to be ready to block in more zone situations. And that's where Pat Meyer comes in. So now you're probably wondering, okay, well, what were the, the, the Carolina Panthers numbers? What were the Chargers numbers? Well, let's look at that real, real quickly. Carolina last year, it was uh, last year it was 54.9% zone, 45.1% gap. So in comparing those numbers, they were a little bit more zone, not significantly as much as the Steelers were, but a little bit more zone running with Chuba Hubbard and Christian McCaffrey uh, when it comes to that. Now, the year before that, in 2020, uh, when Christian McCaffrey was hurt, even, hurt for even more time, and it was primarily Mike Davis, a more of a power running back back there, it was almost half and half with their zone and their gap. So, And then when you go back and you look at the Chargers, the best year that that uh, that you you saw Meyer have coaching as far as the run game and the production they got out of that was 2018, and in 2018, you saw them use 63 use gap runs 63 percent of the time compared to 36 percent of the time it being zoned. So that being said, it seems like Pat Meyer is a guy who can coach to zone fit on zone run schemes and to gap run schemes, but. It may be up to Matt Canada to be saying, hey, like, listen, man, we're running more zone because I want to be able to incorporate these jet sweeps. I want to incorporate Najee Harris's vision and Najee Harris's vision. It wasn't stellar in 2021, but we've seen it be stellar in college. And we saw moments where it was stellar in for the for the Steelers in 2020 and 2021. So you want to see how that plays out. And I think that that is where you actually might see a difference here with Pat Meyer. But there's a lot of people that are already judging this saying this is a terrible hire. And I just I don't see that. I don't see I, I, I don't get that narrative and wanting to force that on a guy that you don't know anything about. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit more because I, I did see general reactions that just seemed way over the top. But first, I got to talk to you guys about betonline.net. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam ahead with pro and college hoops well underway. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right down to Olympic comp coverage and competition and information. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about, about the trends in action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. So we've gone over how I think Pat Meyer's a guy who can coach to, to, to zone fits and can coach to gap fits, and I think that that's going to play a role as far as how this offensive line is going to get molded. Now, a big part of this, even before the scheme, is can he get Dan Moore to block? Can he get Kendrick Green to block? And can the Steelers get him some maulers up front, which is, again, why I've I've been advocating that the Steelers, if they want to be serious about reshaping this offense and rebuilding this team to have a real competitive edge to it, they need to, to seriously invest in the offensive line, whether it's the NFL draft, whether that's free agency, whether that's trades, whether it's all three. They need to find a way to upgrade this line, and maybe that involves getting a new center. Maybe that involves moving Kendrick Green to guard. Maybe it involves getting a, getting another, another star guard, because remember, going into the last season, they thought they were going to have David DeCastro, and then it just turned out they could couldn't, and which is why they went and got Trey Turner. Maybe they need to get a stud offensive tackle on, on, on the right side since Jakuma Corfor's contract is up. All these different options are available, but I think it's also important to remember that 
when we're talking about the legacy of, of different offensive line coaches. And this applies to all positional coaches. You're always a genius when you get great players under you and they do great. Everyone says, oh, man, that guy's awesome. And, and, and this applies to Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak did, did do a great job of getting some of the less the lesser guys, lesser pedigree guys on his offensive lines to, to look good, play well and get big contracts somewhere else. You saw seventh round draft pick Kevin Beecham got a big contract. He went out into the NFL. Chris Hubbard came in was a was a was a nobody became a became a uh, you know a, a swing tackle and then a, and then a guy who filled in an offensive tackle and then he he's off he's off to somewhere else. So you, you saw him do that a few times. But the thing was about those offensive lines, they were always built around Marquise Pouncey, a first round pick. David DeCastro, a first-round pick, and for a while, Marcus Gilbert, a second-round pick. Those three studs, when those guys were in, that offensive line was one of the best in the NFL. They were paired with Ramon Foster and Alejandro Villanueva or Kelvin Beecham, whichever year you're talking about. But you were able to put in Ramon Foster. He Ramon played very well. He was he, he was very solid for such a long time. That's why he was such a beloved Steeler, um, despite being undrafted. He, but you don't get to have Ramon Foster play at the level that he does if you don't have the rest, you know, guys lined up next to him that are superstars. And make no mistake, Pouncey and DeCastro, they were superstars. I think Gilbert was a star that was never given his proper shine. Uh, he he dominated people over there. I mean, I saw that man, you know, Von Miller for as great as Von Miller is. When he went up against Marcus Gilbert, it was curtains, and that was because Marcus Gilbert knew, knew how to block. But point being, with Mike Munchak, that was his legacy. He got to work with that group. You saw what he went up and did in Denver, and Denver's offensive line wasn't elite. It's not like Matt, like Mike Munchak just has this magic touch that he walks in, says to you, hey, kid, you can block. Don't you know you can block? And the kid's like, yes, coach, I know I can block, and he goes out there. He does have experience. He is a Hall of Fame NFL player that, that has been coaching, and he has – done a really great job this isn't minimizing any of his successes but people who are saying if you don't get that guy are you you're not being serious about trying to win how many offensive line coaches do you know if you go out and you and you say and you said name name them down all 32 teams right now who's the offensive line coach nobody nobody knows knows them i don't know all of them and if you if you say that you do you line and you probably looking on google right now but the bottom line is, you know, when when teams when teams look at look at who they're trying to get, they're trying to get the right personnel in. They're trying to see who's the best fit for the environment that they're building. They thought Adrian Clem would be it. Obviously, he wasn't. He's now in Oregon. And he's gonna he's gonna do that somewhere else. But people who are presuming who these guys are before they even arrive, I saw some people say, "Oh, this is just another lazy hire by the Steelers," and I'm like, "Which is it?" They're lazy when they hire internally. They're internally. They're lazy now that they hired externally. Did you want them to go get? You know, just you just go, just go. You know what, Joe Thomas, you're on the radio bashing the Steelers. Why don't you come coach the Steelers? And everyone's like, well, I know that name. That's not how this works. But I do think that a big part of what the Steelers are tr- are trying to do is they're they're trying to find guys that are going to connect with this with this younger crew. I think that's going to be the biggest task for both him and Frisman Jackson, who awkwardly enough come also comes from the Carolina Panthers. But again, I, I saw a lot of people say, well, this, this offense was terrible the last two years and you went and got two positional coaches from it. Yeah, but positional coaches don't aren't the same, you know, because again, look at Frisman Jackson's production. DJ Moore. Pretty good. 
they got good they got good numbers despite having from the receivers i think he had uh two you know uh, dj moore had two years of a thousand years i think robbie anderson had another thousand a thousand yard season that's three thousand yard seasons in two years with who at quarterback exactly and that's but again that's frisman jackson when you're caught when you're talking about pat meyer you know again that offensive line not a, not in the not in the elite position that the Steelers of the mid 2010s was. I think the biggest challenge for Pat Meyer is can he get these young guys to understand all the things that are in front of them? Because the Steelers, there was a lot of talk about this just being physical all offseason long. And you heard me on this podcast throughout the offseason when we were talking to Kendrick Green and Dan Moore and Jakuma Korfor and everybody we could talk to in that Steelers locker room and even Adrian Clem himself. The the MO was was just be physical, be physical, be physical. You want they wanted to dominate, they wanted to bully, they wanted to intimidate. And you saw a lot of that. But coming with that, you need to have also coordination with that intimidation. Because if you don't and you have poor hand placement, poor communication, you're just going to be firing off and being wrong and strong. And I think that's what you ha- saw a lot out of Kendrick Green last year was he. there were times he'd fly as a, as a, as a center. I mean, he would move. He would get down the field and you'd say, like, wow, that guy's moving pretty fast, but he wouldn't hit anybody. Or if he did, he hit the wrong guy. And to me, I think that's where Pat Meyer has to come into play. And again, I'm not saying that Pat Meyer is a great hire. I don't, I don't, I'm telling you, I don't know. I'm going off of based off of, I've seen these zone numbers, what kind of zone, you know, you know, zone versus gap, what kind of fit this could be, you know, who he's worked with. Those are the things that I'm basing it off of. And I think, okay, this is maybe what we're looking at. This is a more realistic conversation, or I think, I guess, a a more detail-oriented conversation that's just like, oh, well, he coached for the Panthers. Their offense stunk, so he's got to be bad. That's I don't want to give you guys that. That's not why you come to the Locked on Steelers podcast. But what I want to do when I look at these coaches, I want to evaluate, okay, what are their actual goals? For example, you know, Todd Haley, when he came to the Steelers, his goal was to lengthen Ben Roethlisberger's career. He did that. He he, he carved out an offense that forced the ball out of his hands a lot more, and it made him a better quarterback, and it made him last a lot longer than the NFL that he would have if he had kept playing the way that he was playing under Bruce Arians. Everybody's got different got got different things, and and you know what, um, Ike Hilliard, the last Steelers wide receiver coach that just got replaced by Frisman Jackson, you know what, he couldn't get Chase Claypool to avoid doing things. We talked about this last week. You know, Deontay Johnson, his drops his drops issue reemerged, even though he did make improve improvement and did show strides last year. Chase Claypool had some you know has has some growing up to do. And maybe Frisman Jackson's the kind of guy who's like, hey, I'm going to challenge you in these ways. We're going to get this out of you. And maybe they feel that Pat Myers, the kind of guy who can talk to a Kendrick Green, who could talk to a Dan Moore Jr. and get them to be on a, on better footing when it comes to this this upcoming season. Because as much as you know, we we do our mock draft Mondays where if you submit your mock draft and I pick through it, and a lot of mock drafts, I'll tell you what we'll have until the draft happens. A lot of mock drafts will have Tyler Linderbaum going to the Steelers at twenty. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. 
for one, Tyler Linderbaum is the best center in, in this draft class, but that means if other teams need a center, they might go, he might go before they even get there. And even if he is there, the Steelers might say, you know what? We think this guy over here at another position is better than what Linderbaum brings, even though we do need a, a center in 2021 and 2022. So a lot of this is going to depend on what are the personnel that they bring in? Do they do they sign a Ryan Jensen, the center in free agency? Do they go and get an offensive tackle who's a veteran that can bring some leadership to the line? That to me will be the biggest telling point of who Pat Meyer is. But it won't it will not in, involve what you know what the yardage rankings of the Carolina Panthers were in the la, over the last two seasons when he was with them. We'll see how he builds these relationships with these younger linemen because again the Steelers are trying to build a new era, a new generation, and. Kendrick Green and Dan Moore Jr. were their first attempts at trying to rebuild an offensive line that was that has been completely dismantled over the past couple of years. And I, I'd expect they're going to get more additions this year. So how he puts that room together, that's going to be very interesting to see. But again, I think there's a lot more to the conversations as far as what actually, you know, what the Steelers are actually planning to do when it comes to coaching, forming the coaching staff, and how it how it looks onto their goals in the in the coming years. We'll talk more about Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin and what I actually see coming from the from the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff and how they how they fit in. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar. This is the time of the year where everyone's starting to give up on their New Year's resolutions, but not me because I'm sticking to the the built to Built Bar because they're helping me they're helping me eat right while also having tasty treats. Have you tried the new Puffs flavors of Built Bars? They're awesome. You know why? Because they're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy, and they're just and they're and they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with a, with incredible flavors. Yum, yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana, banana cream pie, all of them are so good and they're going to be new favorite built bars are all covered in 100 real chocolate and remember they're low in calories but high in protein 130 calories four grams of sugar four net carbs but 17 grams of protein you compare that to 240 cal calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs in your average candy bar and you're seeing the huge difference right away there's so many flavors to choose from whether it's coconut almond peanut butter brownie double chocolate raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel there's all those flavors and many more when you visit built.com and when you visit built.com to get your your favorite flavors of built bars be sure to use the promo code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off at built.com back here on the locked on steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter let's Let's keep let's keep talking about this coach's conversation because I, I saw this a lot and I was alluding to it a little bit with how people were dismayed about oh this is such a bad coaching hire they don't take this seriously what are the Rudy's going to take coaching you know coaching hires seriously we just talked about this last week with uh you know with, with our guy Josh Taylor who will be on for the Thursday episode this week so look out for that we will have Josh on uh for our Thursday episode of Locked On Steelers again but I I. I we were talking about just last week and how you know people wanted to characterize you know in all internal hires are bad hires. It's dumb. Why did they promote Terrell Austin? This was a dumb move. Blah blah blah. 
And, you know, Josh and I were talking about the history. Well, Dick LeBeau was an internal hire when he was promoted from secondary coach to defensive coordinator. And then he became one of the best defensive coordinators of all time. Plenty of teams do that. And especially the Steelers who believe in, hey, we're going to get you a job here. We're going to see how you do. Do you do well? If we think you did, we're going to promote you up. And I know some people might point to, well, what about Randy Feetner? Well, Randy Feetner was more of a Ben choice because they wanted to make sure that Ben had his guy because Ben was, you know, do what, you know, there was always that friction with Todd Haley that everyone always spoke about. Randy Feetner was never friction. When you walked through the hallways, uh, you know, of an away stadium where the Steelers kind of, were kind of warming up in different spaces and you could see him warming up, guess who was throwing Ben Roethlisberger the football? Randy Feetner. That was why they went. That's why he got promoted. It wasn't because they were lazy. It was just because, you know what, this guy's been our quarterback's coach for a long time. Let's uh, let's let's let, you know, let's let Ben kind of have the reins a little bit here. It didn't work out for the Steelers. But again, kind of like Pat Meyer, Pat Meyer, who went into the Carolina Panthers thinking, I'm getting Christian McCaffrey. I just got a block for him. Let's go zone this up. Let's let the fast guy run. Oh, wait, he only played 10 games and me. Crap. Randy Feigner, I always said, ran into a rough buzzsaw as well. He imagine inheriting an offense where you think you have the killer bees in full force. It's twenty, it's twenty eighteen, and he's getting man. I got Ben Roethlisberger. He's been doing fine. I got Antonio Brown. This Juju Smith Schuster kid is awesome. We're trading away Martavis Bryant because he's wild. But Le'Veon Bell's coming back. It's fine. We're about to have the killer bees. It's about to be just lovely. And then Le'Veon Bell doesn't show up. And then Antonio Brown has whatever Antonio Brown had that still is leaving him befuddled and then the next year you lose ben roethlisberger to that elbow injury i always feel i always felt rough for randy feekner because as much as people were saying oh he's such a bad coordinator i'm not saying that he was a good one imagine you go to the job and you and you take a job thinking oh these are the guys i get to work with and then you lose all three of them in in less than a year and a half um that's a that's a rough situation to be in but again um, I, I think that's where we're looking at when people start talking about, oh, you know, I, I people are already saying Matt Canada is a bad hire. I do think that Matt Canada had a rough first year. But again, look at the obvious limitations he was under. The offensive line didn't have a lot going for it this year. Kendrick Green didn't work out at center. Uh, center. Dan Moore Jr. did show some steps, but he's got he's to be better. Ben Roethlisberger was the worst we've ever seen him in his career this season. The Steelers lost Juju Smith-Schuster early on in the, in the year. There were a lot of things that got in the way of what the Steelers were trying to do. And, and I see, you know, they say Matt Canada, he's another internal hire. Again, he was only internal for a year before, before he got that promotion. And that's because when they hired Matt Canada, they always had the plan that he was going to be up there in that offensive coordinator spot at some point. Just like when they hired Terrell Austin in 2019, he was kind of the guy in wait that whole time. But this isn't some lazy plan. Like I've, I've seen some Pittsburghers compare it to the Pirates and Bob Nutting. Now, if you're from, if you're not familiar with Pirates baseball, everyone knows that the Pirates they don't pay for nobody. Over the years, you know they, they when they had they had a team that almost got a hundred wins and they let them just fall apart because they never added to them. And the Pirates they were, were never the spenders like you know a lot of the bigger teams in town. That, that's not an issue for the Steelers. They're fine when it comes to that. They're not, is it, you know, I, I've seen this, this notion push that they're, oh, they're just not going to hire, hire anyone because they cost money and the Steelers don't want to spend money. I'm like, come on, man. We've seen them do this before. Again, when they hired Todd Haley, he was an outside hire. He was a he was a, he was a head coach at one point and they brought him in. They kept Dick LeBeau around for over a decade. 
I just I don't I I I think that people try too hard to make these narratives that are just easy to explain. Don't have to look at a whole bunch of numbers. Don't have to look at a whole bunch of film. I'm just going to say this and it's going to be out there. And then people can tweet about it and retweet it and then put their phone down and go do whatever they were doing. And then that's that that's the conversation. I don't want to do that here. Because that's what that's that, 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 that makes us lazy. That makes us not have these fun conversations. And it doesn't allow us to flesh out the more important parts, which we're looking at. What are the details? What kind of rush, rushing offense are the Steelers going to run? Are they going to allow zone? more zone runs like they did last year to open up more holes for Najee. Well, what does the offensive line look like? Who do they get? To, who, who do they give Pat Meyer to work with in the offensive line? Those types of questions, but sitting there and making a blanket statement that he's just, he's a bad hire because I don't like where he's, where, where what team he just coached with. I just, I think those are ill, ill-educated short, you know, just a, just a short answer, short, easy baked uh, options just to kind of just say, ha, hey, well, I talked about that topic. Now, I will say this, Mike Tomlin, one of the biggest things that 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 they're going to they're going to have next year is they're going to need to find a way to get this offense to at least come together in some form and look somewhat competent because this past year we we, we talked about this before the Steelers in 8 of their 9 wins this past season allowed 20 or less points while also either tying or winning the turnover bat- battle. That means that means the defense carried that team. And I expect the defense to, if they're going to be good, if they're going to compete, the defense is going to have to carry the move forward. But the offense has to have something better than it did last year. It has to be able to say, hey, you know what? We do this thing well. There was no one thing that the Steelers' offense as a unit did well that you could say, aha, that's something to lean on. Now, there were good players. Najee Harris, I thought, did a great job for what little opportunities he had. Pat Frymuth, I thought, was a beast at tight end and, and a really exciting prospect for this team. I think Deontay Johnson, for the first 10-ish weeks, was on fire and looking like, okay, that's your wide receiver one. But there was no one facet of that of that offense. But I think that's Mike Tomlin's biggest charge right now. And the defense is one thing. they got to make the defense elite. But if Matt Canada is going to work for the Pittsburgh Steelers, He's going to need to get his guys to understand. Hey, if we're running this zone scheme, we gotta find ways. To, we gotta find ways to open up holes for Najee. We gotta f- find ways to make sure that's opening up easier passes downfield for whatever quarterback we get. Because I'm telling y'all, it ain't gonna be Aaron Rodgers. It ain't gonna be Russell Wilson. It ain't gonna be Deshaun Watson. It's gonna it's gonna be either a a veteran like you know uh, uh, Marcus Mariota, Terod Taylor, one of those guys, or it's going to be a rookie that fell into their lap and they said, ah, you know what? I'll take that guy. But even if it is a rookie, this ain't the year where you got five guys that are going to be picked in the top 10. You know, this is, this is a year where I think a lot of people are, are, are trying to judge where does Malik Willis fall? Where does Kenny Pickett fall? So that's where, again, when I'm talking about offensive line, when I'm talking about, you know, what they're trying to put together, this whole thing, I think, is predicated on can they get this run game going? Can they get Najee going? Because if you don't get Najee going, this team's going to be in a lot of trouble. But again, that's what they're building for. Um, The hiring of Pat Meyer is just another step along the way. We'll keep giving you all the updates on their steps, steps to that. There's a lot more time to see, you know, what all happens. We still have, we we haven't even started free agency. The combine hasn't happened yet. All these things line up 
for we don't need to show you like, hey, we don't know what this what this offense is going to look like. They, the Steelers could hire two guys in free agency, and then all of a sudden you're saying, oh, I'm really excited to see this offensive line. Uh, again, I'm just speculating here. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. But say they, they they signed Teron Armstead and Ryan Jensen to the offensive line. All of a sudden you're sitting there saying, ooh, that's two really good uh, free agents they just signed. Maybe maybe there'll be something th- this year. Maybe Kevin Dotson comes back and is healthy. Maybe Dan Moore Jr. takes a step up, and then all of a sudden the Steelers offensive line looks good and you're happy. But again, these these are the things that we could never see coming. Think think back to 2019 when the Steelers got Minka Fitzpatrick. Did you have any idea in going into 2019, which which in the year one, did you have an idea that Ben was going to get hurt and that happened? But two, did you think that they were going to trade for you know a safety who they really wanted in the draft but could never get because because they never draft that low or that high? And then he comes in and revolutionizes the defense, and they have one of the greatest turnover seasons since Dick LeBeau took over? No, you didn't think that. that was, no one could have seen that coming. Just like no one could have seen if you asked a year before this season if Matt Stafford was going to be on the Rams and lead them to a Super Bowl. A lot of things have to take shape. Don't commit to something and to some narrative just because you're, you're imp- you want to be impatient and you want your answers now. That's why we have these conversations. That's why this is a daily show. Because we're going to keep going through this step by step, go through the details, flesh things out, and have fun talking about it. And I hope you had fun listening to today's show or watching this today's show on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Thanks so much for checking out Locked On Steelers. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey. You can watch us on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Hit the subscribe button to, to subscribe for more of our, our, our daily content. And if you want to help us out even further, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review when you do so. Please go, also leave a positive comment when you do so at the, at the same time. You get a shout out at the end of the show because that stuff really helps us out here on, on, the, on the network. And when we when I say that, I mean that because we now have our newest five-star review from a person who says, you'll hate this app. But he says he loves the show because he gave it five-star. And he says, great show. He says, I can always count on Chris to provide daily content with quality insight and solid guests. He's a true professional, and this show is always spot on. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You'll hate this app. I, I'm glad that you don't hate this show. Um, but thank you for your five-star review. If you want your shout-out, be sure to go on Apple Podcast leave one of those five-star reviews leave a positive comment with it and we'll get you a shout out like i said tomorrow is josh taylor day he's going to come on for the thursday episode we're going to have some interesting talks maybe there's another steelers announcement that we'll have to talk about if there's not either way you know it's going to be fun right here in the lockdown steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter i'll be in your i'll be in your ears and on your screens tomorrow